The scripture reading this morning is chapter 2 of the book of Joshua, which is found on page 178 of the Pew Bible. Before we read the gospel, let, let us turn to God in prayer. Holy Father, send your Holy Spirit, your living breath to us to cause your word to come alive in us. We know that left to our own natural resources without your Holy Spirit, that the words would be in vain, that all is in vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> and Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shedom as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, or you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when you come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, 
His blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. The word of God for the people of God. If there was a list of the worst five spy missions of all time, this would have to have been in it. I can remember Sunday school stories and story Bibles that kind of showed the bravery of the spies and them coming to being released by the window, but read it and you realize total, absolute failure on behalf of the spies. I would love to have seen their report coming back to Joshua. So we started out at a brothel. (laughs) It was his idea. That's what we get here is Rahab's house, Rahab's profession. It was probably an inn that had other services available, which was a good place to go undetected and probably get some information that would have had to have made for a great report back to Joshua. But it also did not work. But the immediate thing we're told is, and the king finds out they're there. These are not ninjas sneaking in. These are people who must have come out and they're, I don't know if their accent, their clothes or whatever, maybe they were asking for directions. But all of a sudden the king knows Israelites are here and they're here to see what's going on. The complete action of um, the spies is they hid. That was what, they know they're there, so they, they are hidden by Rahab on the roof. Um, when the time is right, she misdirects the, the ones looking for them, and they run away into the hills, the opposite direction of Israel. So the others are going for the brook to go across the river to where the people are, and the spies go to the hills and hide out for three days until the coast clears, and then they run, run back. And what they find out, they only find out because Rahab tells them because um, she is, is looking out for help from them. So... Uh, if any of you have seen that wonderful cinematic classic, um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, think of the theme song of Sir Robin. That would be the tune that's playing for them as they're running away and chickening out and hiding, and they're finding that they have done no good at all. And yet, God is still at work. 
Um, it's, it's an encouraging story for those who tend to bumble things and forget things and not have plans come to fruition because God is still at work. God has promised Joshua that they're going to enter in, that, they're gonna, that he has given them the land, but they're still going to have to do work. They're still going to enter in. They're still going to have to fight battles, and a good part of that battle is to do reconnaissance, send in the spies, and the spies do a pretty lousy job. But that's part of what's going on here is that we are to know they're not the heroes. They're not the ones making things happen. God is handing over the land. And even in this, God is at work uh, redeeming for himself people who we would never imagine a holy God reaching out to. We get a hint of the real focus of the story is not the spies because we're never told their names. We're never told the name of the king of Jericho. We're never told the names of others in here after Joshua sends them other than Rahab. And it's Rahab that the storyteller that 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 we're having all of our attention drawn to is Rahab. An unlikely person to have attention. She's she's a woman in an era that did not um, celebrate women. She is a pagan, not one of the Israelites. Uh, She's one of the the Canaanites that are going to be overturned. And uh, she's not an example of piety. She's a prostitute. And this outsider, this is the one who becomes for us a model of saving faith and the kind of person God redeems and saves All of our attention is drawn to what Rahab is doing. The spies come in, and she hides them. Maybe we don't get the full effect of this is treason. This is risking her life. This is saying, I'm willing to lay down, risk my life, give up my life for your safety. And she takes them up to the roof and gives them a safe place And the king's men who find out that they're there comes and looks and says, we found out men came here. And she lies. She covers up for them, again, risking her own life for the safety of these Israelite spies. They were here. I didn't know who they were and um, don't know where they went. She hurries them on, the, um, the, the king's men, to find them and then goes up and gives them the information. Um, and amazingly, as, as we hear the story, she seems to know a lot more intelligence about Israel than these spies were ever gathering about Jericho. I want you to go hide. Stay there. Find safety. Because we know God has handed this land over to you. We know what God did at the Red Sea when he dried the Red Sea and, and you passed through and, and the, the Pharaoh's soldiers were overcome in the flood. We know what happened when those opposed you in the wanderings and you overcame these kings that were greater and mightier than you because God is with you and we know God is now about to hand this land over and you're going to come and destroy and... We know that's happening. We're afraid. And so they're able to report back the fear that God has given because they are scared. And yet she asks for help. 
she says, save me, rescue me. Um, and she does so because she recognized who God is as she professed faith. Verse 11, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord. And that is not a generic name for Lord. This is God's covenant name. Yahweh, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She recognizes who God is. She has faith in this God. This God is the one who made heaven and earth. This is the God who is able to do things that we can't imagine. This is the God who has given you the land, who is going to be faithful to your promise that he has made to you. And this is the God. Now, because of this, will you save me? Will you rescue me? Her faith leads to her salvation as God's justice is going to be brought to Jericho. And so no matter who she is, no matter what her background is, no matter, uh, she's not beyond God's reach as she trusts in this God and she calls to the people to rescue her. She puts faith. And notice this faith is not just an emotional, hey, I really believe this God exists. This faith is a faith that leads to action. It's a faith that leads to work. So when, when James refers to those whose um, faith was justified or shown in their works, he points to Rahab and says that this action was an, ex was an external revelation of her faith. She trusted in God. She trusted in God's people. And because of that, she helped them escape. She gave them deliverance. She rescued them. She risked herself trusting. And so faith, that is true faith, recognizes who God is, recognizes his power, recognizes his faithfulness, and trusts in him for our salvation. But it's a faith that will lead to works. We're, we're not saved because of good works, because we do good things. She's not saying, I'm going to clean up my act and God's going to accept me. We're not accepted for that, but... Faith that is faith is a faith that's going to help God's people escape. That's going to make a change in our life where we're risking things, where we're doing things differently as we serve others and we love others. We're, we're doing actions that show our trust in who God is. And that's what she does. She trusts and that trust leads her to show kindness and rescue to the spies. So she lets them down through the window. Commentators differ as, as the conversation about the, the scarlet rope that's going to be let down. Uh, keeping with my theme of a comedy, I just imagine they're trying to sneak out and go, oh, hey, by the way, and shouting out, but maybe it was a conversation that went ahead of time, but there was an agreement. The agreement was, you're going to mark your household with this red rope. It's going to come out of this window. We know this is the window. So here's the thing. I'm going to rescue your family if you bring your family in to where this scarlet mark is. It doesn't play it up a huge amount, but, but can we not hear the echo of God's people marking their doorways with the red of the blood of the lamb that was slain? Just some kind of marker on their household of this is a house that's going to be rescued 
when death comes, when war comes, when, when punishment comes, this is going to be a house that is marked as belonging to those who are trusting in God. She has a faith. It's a faith that also leads her to action, to do things, to do works. And it's a faith that is visibly marked. And we just, in such a way that all of her family is rescued and saved. And we know that no one comes to God because of the faith of someone else. We all come to God on our own faith. It's our own trusting. Each one of you must make your own personal decision. Our children that we, we teach and we, we're doing so to the day that they will stand before us and profess faith in Christ, that we're not believing anyone is rescued by the faith of another. And yet, there is a biblical principle that those who are brought into the household of one who trusts, there's a blessing on them and a rescue for them. Of, of, it's just as simple as the fact that if you have made vows and, and you have put the mark of the covenant on your household, as you teach them what it means to be a Christian, they hear the gospel more than someone who doesn't. As, as we have marked ourselves as the people of God, we're, we're making a commitment that is shown to others in our household. So there is a blessing that is on those who are part of your family who receive the blessings of someone who trusts in God and who lives according to God's purposes and shows that in the way they live. Her household will be rescued. And here is the thing. They, they come later. After the overthrow of Jericho, we're going to return to Rahab. And when we do, she becomes part of Israel. She leaves Jericho, and she's brought into the household of faith. She becomes an Israelite. This is also part of what faith is. We, we trust in a God who saves us. We trust his power and his, his promises to us. We, we, we act it out in our lives, and we take upon ourselves a mark of what it means to be of this covenant family. But there's also a leaving the old ways, a turning away from the flesh, a turning away from the old life, a leaving of Jericho and entering into Israel, entering into his church, entering into the household of faith. Becoming God's people means repenting and turning away and turning to. It means your allegiance now is to the covenant family. You, she doesn't just say, okay, I've been rescued, I've been saved, I'm going to continue and go over to this other Canaanite town. No, to be rescued means she's now incorporated into the household of God. Two points of application. One is, as we see the spies who fail, who don't do, what good news it is that God uses people who make mistakes who don't get, it all, get everything planned out right. God is faithful. And th throughout scriptures, you, you kind of see that God's people are called to act. They're called to do things. And yet it doesn't depend upon their wisdom and their strength and their ability. Um, we see this when, when, when Paul is, is trying to go and head further east and the Spirit just stops him at every turn. And yet... He's acting, he's doing something, and it is, it's not a failure when God puts him in another direction, another place. We as God's people, in your own life, when you try to do God's work, when you try to do good things and to serve and love others, it might not work out. People might reject it. 
people might not accept what you give. You might fail from every human perspective, and yet God is using even those things to work out his purpose. And what good news it is that we are called to serve, we're called to work, we're called to do things, and yet it is God who brings the growth. It's God who gives new life. It's God who uses us in spite of our failures to do his work. That shouldn't make us passive where we just sit back and say, hey, God's going to bring into his kingdom those he wants. It should embolden us to say, let's go and make mistakes and let God work through those mistakes. Let's go do something and let's serve others. And even if we fail, God has promised to build his kingdom in spite of those. The other thing is it can be very easy for us to look at ourselves at times and think, I've failed and I've made mistakes and my background and my past means, I don't know, I'm, maybe I don't quite belong as much as someone who seems to have it all together. It, it, it can be very easy for us to think, you know, others have, have been better Christians than me and, and maybe I've stumbled and failed. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of, I believe I'm part of God's people, but maybe not quite as much as somebody else. Maybe others are the real Christians, or maybe we're tempted to look at others and think, well, I've been here a while, and I've done a lot of good things, and I've served in these ways, and that other person, well, you know what they did. That has no place whatsoever. If you're God's family, you're God's family. We're brothers and sisters. Joshua could care less about her past. What matters is her future, and what a glorious future Rahab has. She... You don't look and say, well, she was really a Canaanite. She's not really one of us. She's not really part of this. We let her come along. She is as much a part of this household of faith as anyone else. And what a good thing to know that regardless of your past, regardless of where you have been, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are as much a child of his as anyone else. No one is a more favored son or daughter. You are part of his household, a part of his people. And none of us can look at anyone else who is trusting in Jesus and think, well, I'm a little bit more of a Christian than they are. How do we know this? I don't know. If you've ever done genealogy, there's, I know if you've done genealogy, there's people in your family you don't want to talk about. There are some of them cousins that are a little bit close together, and there's some loops in my family tree, and I just try to ignore that and go on to somebody else's side. Or maybe there's people who did things, and you really don't want people to know how they're related to you. If you turn to Matthew chapter 1, you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And in that genealogy, there's a few women mentioned, and one of them is Rahab. As his birth is announced, he's not ashamed of anyone who's part of his household. All of us, we are welcome into this family that welcomes Canaanite prostitutes as well as King David. There's his great, Jesus' great, great grandma, Rahab. And she says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you think you are or how far you think you are from God's love. This is a family of grace. And you are as much welcome as, as I am. This is Jesus' grandma, y'all. He loves you. 
And he's not embarrassed by you. He's not ashamed of you. You are in his household because it is a household of grace. Let us pray. Lord, what incredible wonder that you welcome sinners like us and you rejoice that you have redeemed sinners like us. Lord, let that melt our hearts with the fear of the awesome grace and love that you have for us. And let that lead us to action and lead us to um, uh, boast in being part of your family. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and let us stay what we believe the words in the Nicene Creed.